All right, uh, welcome to the Mesh Point Podcast. Um, excited to have Coach Brad Fortney tonight. Uh, he's a linebackers coach and special teams coordinator at Enterprise High School down in Enterprise, Alabama. Also, the speed coach, head trap, Doctor Speed. Man, how do you get? How do you? How do you get that title? That's awesome. That's hey, people give names. That's not a title that I asked for. That's just some people say that. <laughs> Well, listen, Coach, we're really ha- glad to have you on tonight. Um, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Talk to us about your background, you know, where you played, that kind of thing, and then how you got to uh, to Enterprise. Okay. I'll take you down a quick trip down memory lane. So, grew up in Antioch, Illinois, which is right on the border of uh, Illinois, Wisconsin. Did football and track in high school. Ended up going to Carthage College. Did football and track there. Um when I got done competing um, for track, and then when I got done with football, I, I actually made it to the Chicago Bears for a uh, rookie minicamp for the four days. Uh, didn't end up making a long snapper. So I had a coach who coached me at um, at Carthage, and then he also taught at the high school that was in town, which was Kenosha Bradford. So he was done coaching at Carthage and just coaching at Bradford, and he called me up. He goes, hey, if things don't work out, at the next level, we need a linebackers coach. So I started there. I was at Bradford for six years, um, coaching inside backers, uh, doing JV defense coordinator, doing the strength training for football, girls basketball, track, softball. Um, and that was all before school. Uh, we had a daughter born. She just turned two. Her name's Jaden. When she was born, I ended up taking a job in Illinois, which was at Lakes Community High School, which was actually our rival school from high school that I went to. So I was a coach offense there for a year as a H-backs coach. And then that following spring, which would have been 2018, ended up coaching softball back at Bradford. My wife was coaching there. The softball coach essentially goes, hey, I know you don't understand. You don't know anything about softball. And I don't know anything about sprinting, but we'd make good teams. So I was training as girls. My wife and I would run summer workouts with softball girls for previous five years there. And uh, we had a good relationship. So I got hired just to kind of be their performance coach and, you know, watch the way they moved and how do we perform better on the field and some mental skills training. We end up playing for state. Uh, we make it to state. We finish third overall, lost in the semifinals to the future state champions. Um, and that Monday when we got back, Coach Kennedy gave me a call. And he goes, hey, what do you think about – and I knew Coach Kennedy from his days at Bradford. Um, you know, definitely a Hall of Fame coach. And we're our paths crossed. Um, my second year at Bradford, we are supposed – I was supposed to go coach with them up at – Brookfield Central, um, it just didn't work out at the time, wasn't the right timing for me. So he calls and says, what do you think about Alabama? And I wasn't coaching football at the time because I, I wasn't going to go, uh, I wasn't going to coach at Lakes and, you know, I just got done coaching softball. So I go, hey, I'll talk to my wife about it. And I talked to Jen and she goes, um, are you, you sure you want to check it out? I go, why not? I don't want to be sitting around in 10 years and thinking, why not? You know, we could have had that chance to go to Alabama because she always wanted to go somewhere warm and Wisconsin gets pretty cold 
nine months out of the year. So we fly down literally. He calls me on that Monday. That Saturday, we fly down with our then five-month-old. No, sorry, six-month-old. We go. We meet with him, Coach Darlington, um, our superintendent down here. And, you know, they offered me the job. My wife got offered a job when we were down here. And we, had a, we flew back on Sunday. And on our way back, she goes, well, what are you thinking? And the problem was is we had 24 hours for her to decide if she was going to sign her contract back in Kenosha where she was working. So it wasn't one of those things like, hey, we'll, we'll sit on it a week. We decided that Sunday night of, hey, let's give it a shot. And that's how we ended up down here in Enterprise and started out last year where uh, I was doing inside linebackers for varsity, helping out with some strength stuff when I could, um, started dabbling in the speed stuff. And then, um, also did track and we had, we had a great number of football guys out for track before everything shut down in March. And then it just, it's kind of taken over where my job now is I'm a performance and wellness coach for the school. I have the opportunity to work with not only the high school and high school sports, but the middle school and elementary schools, all PE classes where, I'll go around and help with improvement for movement. If you want to know a fifth grader on up their miles per hour, how fast they run or their vertical jump, I could tell you that in our district. Um, We time that stuff and I find it critical of, you know, a lot of kids know how to run. They don't know how to sprint. So that's one of those things where that was our biggest key last off season is when we got done is we need to get faster and, I had some background of being able to get kids faster, make our teams faster. And that there's a, uh, that journey started about five years ago. It was uh, when I attended a track and football consortium and met a guy named Tony Holler and Chris Corfis, who are kind of less is more. Um, Tony's got feed the cats and I, I use a lot of his principles and I'd probably in a feed the cats guy, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, where, you know, you prioritize top speed and it's about running fast and you do it when you're fresh. And if you're doing it when you're tired, it's conditioning and that's not what we're looking for. And the more often I can sprint at my top speed, the better in shape I'm going to get. So I took that, that feed the cats mentality about four years ago and I ran it with softball before I got down here. I've been doing it in football and we do it in track. I mean, our school right now is baseball does it softball does it basketball does it it's just kind of taken over where speed is our priority how do we prioritize that with what we're already doing you know schematically scheme wise practice wise to improve overall athletic ability yeah and and that's i mean that's really what i'm interested in learning tonight to be quite honest Mm -hmm. with you is how to integrate that um yeah, I've heard a little bit about it. Of course, it's one of those things when you start trying to dig around, you don't find exactly what you think you're going to find, you know? Um, oh, sure. So, so definitely happy to have you on. Hey, so, gosh, I mean, you fly back from, from Alabama and you got your wife's got 24 hours to make a decision, right? So that's a big one, right? So talk about well, some people you may have talked to, right? Some mentors that you may have – called or relied on or leaned on to make that decision to help you make that decision. You know, some guys or, or even ladies that have helped you over the years, then you, 
you know, those are the people you called, Hey, this is our situation. Here's the decision we've got to make. It's a, it's a critical one. It's a rapid one. What should we do? Talk, talk about some of those people. Okay. So, you know, the big people, we're, I'm real close to my parents. Um, yeah. My dad went out and here's the crazy thing is I wasn't going to coach. It was like the first time I wasn't going to coach actually from even playing. It would have been 20 plus years that my fall would have been taken up with football and I wasn't going to coach decided, Hey, I'm not, we got a six month at home. I'll enjoy it. Yeah. And told my dad like, Hey, we're going to go down there and check out for a job. He was like, okay. So he was kind of the first one I called and I go, Hey, here's a scenario. Gave him, laid everything out to him and he knew, Hey, I was just going to teach and then probably train some kids on the side. Not coach. And he kind of told me, he goes, go where you wanted. And he goes, this is too good of an opportunity to pass up. And when meeting with um, Coach Darlington, Coach Kennedy, and uh, Mr. Fodder, superintendent, it's like I'm at a place that I'm wanted there, and yeah. why not? It was a really good setup. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other coaches that, you know, Coach Kennedy, I mean, we've talked probably weekly for – the last seven years so we're really close on it and obviously he wanted me down here so he's going to tell me you know he's going to be supportive of it but also understand like hey it's nine nine hundred mile move yeah. might not be the easiest so he was very supportive and just keeping clear mind and laying some stuff out obviously it'd be a quick decision but you know i talked to my parents uh, my wife kind of talked to her parents and said hey we're going to do this and it it was crazy because everything was just settling down in our life of we had a newborn. It was um, my wife's an only child. So her parents were getting to raise her grandchild and my yeah. parents were close. My sisters don't live close to us. So everything was settling down and it could be perfect. And all of a sudden it's all right, we're moving <laughs> 900 miles away. Nice that's worked out is my parents actually retired to move down here. And my dad coached oh. track with me last year. He coached freshman yeah. football this year and coaching track yeah. again. So that's awesome. like that's worked oh. out. Her parents are coming down. Yeah. <laughs> so those were kind of who we leaned heavily on. And there's some other coach, um, Jim Camerata, I talked to. He was a guy who actually brought me over to Bradford. He was a longtime defensive coordinator there um i think coach bradford for about 30 years great guy and guy i'm pretty close with um still to this day and those are kind of things i just said and when you get opportunities to not only the situation was perfect but um coach darlington coach kennedy to work under guys who are you know when it's all said and done they'll be in the hall of fame and they've done things right and the ways that they've been very successful you're not gonna it's very difficult to find a staff that's got that kind of success on it and then yeah. looking at other coaches on the staff it's you know I think there's three four other guys who are, have been head coaches so yeah in my mind it's well let's go where I'm wanted and where I can get the most experience and grow and guys who've had success before and learn underneath them and develop myself better as you know coach person individual leader and all those things yeah that makes you better yeah it's awesome it worked out for you um, yeah, yeah, it, it's really fortunate there, um, and that's a good thing, right? So, I'm sure your family's benefited from it. 
Very much. All right. So. Well, look, we 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 brought you on here, man, because we want to know about feed the cats, right? We want to yeah, know about dollar. We want to know the whole secret handshake uh, and the back channel talks and the, <laughs> the whole shot here. So, talk to us about what it is, and uh, let's get going. So, feed the cats is essentially, if you look at any kind of cat out in the wild, you think that you look at a cheetah, hey, he's really fast, but do they spend all day grinding, working for their prey, anything like that? No, they sleep, right, what, right. 18 to 20 hours. You look at them, you'd say they're lazy, they're licking their paws, probably driving you nuts, and all of a sudden they need to get up and go. Well, you take that kind of theory of when a cat needs to eat, it'll get its food and then rest for a while. It's the same thing how you train high-performance athletes or just athletes in general when you're looking at speed and performance base to get kids faster. I can't run kids in the ground and expect them to go faster. Now, my first couple of years is when I was at Bradford, my thought was, Hey, we're going to out train and outlift everybody. And we're going to push sleds till we puke. And that's going to get us faster. And what ended up happening, um, I had a, a stud sprinter who finished second in the state as a junior. She ended up finished second in the state again as a senior. She could squat 315. She could push a lot of weight on the sled. We never worked on top on speed. She didn't run any faster as a senior or as a junior. She goes off to college. I get a thing from her coach saying, hey, I've never had a freshman stronger. Great job with her. But that's what kind of turned me over to, all right, not necessarily if you get stronger, you get faster. But if you get faster, you end up getting stronger because there's no way that you can get faster and and apply force into the ground that gets you faster um, unless you're getting stronger in that process. But I learned probably the hard, I learned the hard way of I got someone stronger thinking she was going to get faster and it didn't end up that way. And I just neglected sprinting. And I think a lot of people neglect sprinting and they think, Oh, we run. Oh yeah. We'll run to the hash and back. Um, but Coach Rod could attest to this, too. If you don't put a time on the kids, if you're not timing them, giving them feedback on there, they're just running. They're not sprinting. There's a way different. And I think kids who run will probably give you about 80, 85% of what they really got. And they've already got that makeup of, I can fake like I'm sprinting and working hard. But now all of a sudden we, 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 timed, we time them and we want max effort out of them. And we give them feedback of what that max effort is, if it's 20 miles an hour of – hey, you got this far up the hill in five seconds. That is what's getting max effort. So the feed the cats, and it's more so of a principle, is getting max effort out of a kid, getting them as much rest as possible to give them max effort again to stay up there. So an example might, would be for that of we'll set up and run um, flying tens. So flying tens is we'll use that to track miles per hour. So if I have a kid run... 20 miles an hour he runs it on his first one well he runs 19.5 on his second one if he is not close to running 20 on his third one if he drops down to 19 flat we're not working top speed anymore we shut him down for the day because anything else i do is working conditioning and that is not working his fine motor sprint mechanics that's not working as max speed effort. It's just, hey, we're conditioning you. So I cut him off there. Maybe next week we can do those three and he stays at 20 or it might take two weeks later. But if I could run 
22 weeks later on my first one, on my second one, on my third one, give him a fourth one, and then he drops off to 19. Well, now I know he's in better shape. So it's it's the whole we're going to be smart by performance base of sprinting as fast as we can, keeping kids fresh and giving them rest, not just, well, we're going to run 20 sprints to run 20 sprints. Giving them purpose for it, but then also being able to cut them off when need be so you don't turn in sprinting into conditioning, if that makes sense. Yep, it does. And you, you, so, were smart, you were smart about it, too, like on a, on a day like uh, where they went heavy legs, right? Uh, in the so, summertime? Yeah, so what we would look at um, normally, so I'll walk you through. On our Mondays, we're going to time flying tens because I want to do that one. So, actually, I'll take that back. We will time something on Mondays. In season, it got a little different. We had to switch Tuesdays just the way. But we'll time something on Monday, and that's the first thing we'll do it because that is their freshest. We don't bring kids in on the weekends. We give them the weekends off. I try not to – even when we're in other sports, I know basketball will do like shoot around on Sunday, uh, bring them in late on Sunday. Uh, baseball is usually free unless they got some kind of tournament for the weekend. Uh, track we try to limit our, our our weekends keep them free on that monday is usually our freshest day so that's when we'll time we will time before we go and lift weights so on monday that'll be our, our queen and squat day but the first thing we're doing is we're either timing flying times which essentially the kids get about a 20 yard acceleration i have two free lap cones that are set up they'll wear a chip when they pass the first cone the time will start when they pass the second cone it'll stop I'll read off on my phone. It'll give me time and also their miles per hour. So I just call it their miles per hour, 19.4. The kids kind of the kids know it. We'll record it, and then we'll put it up in the locker room for them. Um, some days that Monday we're running 40s. Some days we're doing 20-yard starts. So we kind of mix that up of what we're testing that day to keep it somewhat fresh for them and always testing to grow. But we'll do that before the lift. So over the summer – when you know COVID hit and we couldn't have all our kids in the weight room at the same time, we would go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. So on Monday, our skill guys would be out on the out on the track first, and we would we would time them first while our linemen were in the weight room weight room lifting. So when the linemen came out out of lifting, we wouldn't time them that day because if I were timing them after lifting, it we're not hundred percent, we're not fresh. It'd just be conditioned. So we do what I call competition speed. That might be, you know, we started off, it might be racing each other in a pro agility. Yeah. Um, we do some hoop stuff where we chase each other around a hoop. It might be a different kind of tag game for reaction, but something where we put them in a competitive situation that they had to compete against their partner. All we'd put on that is one push up. So if I lost to you, it was okay. I got one push up. It's not okay. You got six more sprints to do. It's all right. I just don't want to do the push up. So our kids got into that. Now, since those two were flip flop, Tuesday would be our agility day for everybody. We'd have Wednesday off. Thursday, we'd have the lineman first come off. It'd be outside. So then we would time on Thursday. Lineman would time on Thursday. And then um, skill guys would do the competition speed after they got on the weight room. Whenever you're timing, I always at least like 24 hours off of them doing nothing before they time. I think that's how you keep them fresh. 
my rule of thumb, I like 48 hours. I think that's good. Because if, um, if you go anytime before 48 hours, you're kind of risking, are we getting max effort out of them? Are we risking, are we trying to get max effort out of them, but possibly risking for injury? Are we just doing more conditioning depending on what your priority is there? But if you're trying to get max effort, max speed and work on top end speed, you got to do it when they're fresh. So if your schedule only works where, well, we go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I try to time them on Monday. If you can't time them on Monday, just make sure to prioritize it. All right, my Monday, we'll do an upper body lift and agility. So Tuesday, we'll, or sorry, Wednesday, we'll come in and time on that. And then Friday will be, you know, competition speed. Where I screwed up first when I started doing this, before I got into feed the cats, we'd pound for four days in a row. Monday through Thursday. And then I'd be, I'd tell the kids, oh, come in Friday, we'll do combine training. We'll work on your starts, test your 40s and everything like that. <laughs> well, they're fried when they got there, but, you know, I thought, oh, well, we're working, we're getting better at it. And it just made, it made 100% sense. Nothing that we were working on Friday after crushing them all week was carrying over. And the reason why, sprinting is a skill, just like catching is a skill. Just like blocking is a skill. Those skills have to be taught when they're fresh. Now, they're worked on when you're tired, and they are only become more efficient when you get better at them when you're fresh. You can't expect someone to, hey, we're going to work on tackling, but I want to get you gas first, and then we're going to work on those finer techniques of dropping your hands, keeping your head up, running your feet through. It's not going to happen if you don't work on that when it's fresh. Because right. your body is going to go back to default, yeah. at least basic training. So if I don't have any training in that, it's going to fall right back. So where we look at it is Monday is our least basic training for sprinting. We get max speed out of that. We'll do some things that are our speed drills. We'll work on um, some mechanic stuff. Not not crazy where we're queuing, and Coach Rod could attest to this. I mean, we'll run them over many hurdles or cones to work on just those sprint mechanics to get them in the right form. And then when they're tired, they're going to be more efficient moving because there's bodies that used to doing it when the fresh is to work on that skill. Right. That's where a lot of misconception happens is, well, we're working on sprinting at the end, but it's a skill. Would you wait till the end of practice to work on catching? Yeah. Sometimes you need to do catching after practice, but Sometimes the fine skill needs to be worked on at the beginning, practice, pre-practice, things that or on their own. Yeah. Not after they're gassed. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, Coach, uh, I know how we, we – remember how we started out every practice with RPR? Can yeah. You, can you maybe talk a little bit about what that is for people that don't know it and kind of how it yeah. incorporates into the, uh, into the training? So, actually, it kind of falls into um, – the track and football consortium I went to uh, with Tony Holler and Chris Corfus. Uh, Chris Corfus is a co-founder with Kel Dietz. Um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with Triphasic and then also Jail Holdsworth. So RPR is Reflexive Performance Reset. So what RPR is, there's 12 different um, reset spots on your body. All starts with breathing properly. And it's a neurological reset. So the easiest way to say this is if your light bulb went off 
and the the switch was off for the light to turn on you just don't switch the light bulb out you have to turn the light switch on so your neuromuscular system's turning on your brain so there's different spots on your body that just by the touch or hitting that tells your brain hey that muscle needs to work so it all starts through zone one which is breathing your psoas and your glutes so and that goes back to a fundamental movement of when you were a baby and if anybody's got a little kid at home if they watch them try to crawl if you watch a baby crawl when they first start moving their belly's going to rub on the ground um and that's there's spot the there's a spot inch outside your belly where you would rub that's for your psoas and that tracks back to the baby behind the head is for your glutes and that tracks back to when you're a baby so when i'm crawling on the ground my belly's rubbing while I'm trying to move. So my psoas is firing because that's first initial mover when you're moving in any direction. And then the next thing to move is your glute with your psoas. And um, the reason why it's behind your head is because babies pick their head up when they crawl. So all of it ties back to your body picking up these patterns when you were a baby that somehow, some way, some shape, some form, your body gets out of picks up compensation patterns that might get out of whack of, all right, um, either become a chest breather instead of a belly breather. Um, my quads are working instead of my hamstrings or my, um, my glutes not firing all that. Those are compensation pick, pick up. So what we'd start off practice with is we'd have a kid lead, and they'd start with the breathing that hit the 12 spots and we'd go right into practice. And on game days, that's the only thing that we would do. Um, and we just looked at it. I talked to our athletic trainer. We had zero soft tissue injuries this year. And then the three injuries we had, we had a broken collarbone, um, broken foot where our middle backer actually tore the ligament off his big toe. So I had to get surgery on it. And then we had a high ankle sprain, the kid going in the playoffs. So 20 out of our 22 starters played all snaps. There's two guys, our middle backer got hurt week nine. We ended up playing the week 11. And then we had a lineman, high ankle sprain going into week 11 in practice. So all contact injuries. But I look at it, once you hit the reset spots, it puts your body, it takes it out of a survival mode and it puts it into a performance mode. That's interesting. So any kind of information on that, if you have any, um, feel free to contact me. I could really spend some time explaining that. It's, it's kind but of funky. It's kind of, it's kind of funky at first. If you're not used to seeing it or whatever, like I had a friend in Atlanta, he, he said they were trying it and that coach walked out and said, what do you got them boys rubbing on themselves for? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you're going to look at it and be like, what the heck are they doing? And it's, yeah. You know, the kids buy into it, and it all goes back to, you know, you even look how, you know, animals are and things of that nature is there's a parasympathetic state and sympathetic state, and basically there's a performance state and survival state. So your body is going to do whatever it needs to do to survive. You tear your ACL, you can still move. You tear your Achilles, you can still move. If you were to tear your psoas or your glute, and you tried running away from a grizzly bear, you'd be caught. Like you wouldn't be able to move. Those things shut you down. So 
all it goes back to is putting your body and making sure that, hey, I'm, I'm ready to perform, not, well, I'm going to do whatever I can in my possible ability just to survive. And a lot of times we're in survival mode. That's why you can see a kid run. It's like, I know he's hurting, but he's fighting through it. Well, the neurological resets can help with, hey, the kid's picking up a compensation pattern now of him limping through maybe an ankle injury or something's bugging him to getting them now on a correct pattern that's going to help decrease for future injuries. So we would start and the kids would lead it and they're hitting their spots. Uh, game day, we had two massage guns. They would use that on game day. They like that. And um, yeah, like this, I actually got one at the house, man. One of these, one of these. Bags. Yeah. Yeah, they work good. Yeah, they work good. The kids like it. It goes quick and you know, they say that um, you know, body, body likes vibration and everything like that. So us hitting reset our reset spots with uh, those massage guns help because you can use vibration on that and your muscles respond very well to it. It's not just so oh, well, I need to warm up my muscle and stretch. The neuromuscular system tells that muscle, hey, to move, because if it didn't, if you could just say, well, I'm just stretching my calf, mu calf muscle, essentially, you know, cadavers, skeletons with muscles on it would be able to move. But it's your brain telling your muscle, hey, that muscle needs to flex. And sometimes your brain shuts off different muscles because, oh, I don't like that, but I'm in survival mode. I'm still going to be able to move. But we want to put your performance mode where you feel the best that's why if you watch like tom brady and the super bowl two minutes to go just watch where he breathes he's not through his chest he's not all emotional he's breathing through his belly and that's stuff you can work on intentionally and you have to work on intentionally when unstressful situation even if you watch michael jordan in the finals watch where he's hunched over and just watch where his breaths are coming from if you want to see you watch people and you want them to hey they perform in the moment those guys are gamers. By coaching softball two years ago, I started picking up just, all right, if I'm stressed out, you'll watch people in their shoulders breathing through the chest. If they're not, they'll be calm, cool, collective, and you'll see them breathing through the belly. And you can watch that in anybody and watch it in your players of, all right, I don't know why this guy can't handle pressure situations. Well, it could go back to even where they're breathing. If they're going through their chest, they're in panic mode. And if you think of anything, you get in a emotional state of mind, even if that's an argument with a loved one, family member, teammates, you get angry about something, you start getting all in your chest. Are you thinking clearly? I know I can't. And I know a lot of, you know, you think in high school kids, you think college kids, but even adults can't. But if you can get to a spot where you're breathing right to clear the mind to calm, that's going to give your best opportunity to perform and that's you know rpr all starts with the breathing properly and that's belly breathing and that's how we we start all our practices with so it might sound it might look crazy and might sound crazy but you know our kids will stay out there and be like all right mouth shut start breathing yeah so they breathe through their nose they're working on breathing through the belly and clearing their mind and staying focused that's it a chance to kind of lock in and get ready baby you know what i mean yeah hey uh coach talk a little bit about some of the uh improvements that you've seen from when you first got there and started uh, measuring the kids timing and then kind of where you, where you seen a, a, a big increase. I know you got them up, up in the twenties, uh, a lot of guys, right? Yeah. yeah. 
So um, when we first started timing, so this goes back to kids know how to run, they don't know how to sprint. And it even ties back to, you think about little kids running around and, you know, I have a two-year-old daughter who likes to run around the house right now, but they just like to run around as much as possible. Well, if you look at it this way, and a guy put it well to me, kids grow up wanting just to run around as fast as they possibly can. Well, once you start getting a little bit older, six, eight, ten, if kids are running around aimlessly and just as fast as they can, what do adults usually tell them to do? Stop, Stop running. Yeah. What are you running for? <laughs> yeah. And then when I have to run, what am I running for? Yeah. Punishment. Yeah. My daughter's running around the house right now at two for fun. Sprinting as fast as she can. Saying, I'm going to get you, Daddy, try to take, chase me. Now, take that at 10, and while well, you're running for punishment conditioning. Now, take that to 12. Take that to 14. Take that to 16. So, um, that's usually where kids just learn how to run. They don't learn how to sprint. And then they figure out, okay, how do I move faster? Um, their body will figure out how to move as efficient as possible with running once they start getting timed and everything like that. So what we did first off in December is I got the free lap and we started timing right away. And our, we had one kid who was over 20 and just from December to February, we had an overall about a mile and a half to two mile an hour increase between our kids. And you'll see once you start speed training and a lot of coaches you know, there's some interesting stuff on Twitter of coaches will say, oh, you're not running this, running that. It all comes down to context. If I'm running on cement or the track, it'll be faster than turf. But regardless of that, if you start timing, you're going to probably see your biggest gains in about your first eight weeks. Because kids, you time them the first time and they'll be like, oh, I could run faster than that. You time them the second time, they're like, yeah, I think I can still run faster. And they're not fully understanding how to give max effort go out. You might have those 5% on your team. It's like he gives you everything you got every play. But, you know, some kids are, well, I think the governor's on and we can take it off and they're a lot faster. So it took us, and it didn't take us long, by about mid-December, our third time testing, the kids finally understood like, oh, I can run this fast. I can keep going better. And then we hit January and I can go better. And then I was able to look at our dad and, you know, we, we gained um, two miles an hour overall from when we started in an eight-week span. And it was just getting kids to understand, you've been running, we need you to sprint, give max effort. And it's, you got to build up and go these 10 yards as fast as you can. So you're, they're almost running 40 yards as fast as they can, but we're timing the end of it. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I ain't going to articulate it as well as uh, you probably will, but no, you know, being my first year coming in and everything, like I noticed, um, when you train the 40, when you're, when you're timing the 40 and the kid doesn't get their desired time in the 40, it like psychs them out. You know what I mean? And, uh, I know we talked about like it causes, uh, sometimes for them to press and, 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 and uh, injuries occur. Right. But, uh, sure. so, so that number of miles per hour, it's kind of like, it's not a number they're necessarily familiar. They don't, they don't hear. It's not a four, four, you know, like, yeah. like a 40. So it's, it's, it's different. And then uh, equating it to speed, right. Coach has got shirts for them that says speed on them. You know what I mean? So they hear, man, I'm 20 miles an hour. I mean, they, they think that's, 
cool as all get out. You know what I mean? And uh, they're seeing yeah. that, that growth, and uh, it's it's just it's just a different deal, man. Well, so what we've been able to do on that is we have speed shirts. So we got headbands and shirts. So if a kid hits 20 miles an hour, 21, 22, they're going to get a T-shirt. 23, they'll get a T-shirt. They get a headband also with that. So it gives them a little skin in the game of, hey, I need to keep improving. The other thing that we'll do is our when we record for that day, it's called Rank, Record, and Publish. We will write down their times. I will do my best to get them all and put it in the computer and then we'll post it up in the locker room the next day. So the kids can kind of see, all right, this is what we ran. So that following Monday, they can see, okay, I'm going to beat that time. Or, you know, when they run it and I call out a time, oh man, I, I can run faster than that. So if they're usually running, let's say 20 miles an hour and their first run, they first time they run, they go 19.5. Oh, I know I'm, I'm 20. I could beat that. I could beat that coach. And then, Hey, you ran. 19.9 oh let me run another one i can beat that so now you got that now and even it's happened and it it's worked out because i think we time so much which is a good thing because we time weekly that when a kid doesn't run what they want in their 40 um there's a couple there's a couple telling things on that the the telling thing is if i'm a 4-4 kid and i end up dropping a 4-6 or if i'm a 4-6 kid and i run a 4-8 and then i run another 4-8 I'm usually looking at it not, well, why don't you run faster? I'm looking at what were they doing over the weekend? You know, are they in basketball, playing basketball? You know, uh, were they at some combine the day before? Were they at seven on seven? Were they at a track meet? Were they doing X, Y, or Z? Um, all those kind of things, what kind of stress they got in their life. That Them running slower than what their normal is just gives me a – uh, kind of a red flag of okay something's up something's off yeah and what can we do as coaches to make sure i don't make today ruin tomorrow and the fact of well we're gonna make them run another one because oh you're gonna you're gonna hit that four six again until you know until we leave the track you know well we're not leaving the track till you run the four six Instead, if he's sitting four eight, it's like, okay what can i take off maybe in the weight room what can i take off on our other drills to make sure all right, he's running at 80%, not 100% today. So for me to get him through the day and get better and keep him around 80 and not drop him down to 60, so then when we go to tomorrow, he'll start at 60 and then be at 50 and then just completely crap out the rest of the workouts. What can I do that will be just enough today that won't ruin tomorrow's workout? Is that what load management is? I've heard that term before. Yeah, that, that would be – what load management is um there's different ways to use that there's a way that um there's different you know there's catapult systems there are that tracks your gps your load management on that there is um there's a bunch of different systems you can use the way i use it is i'll use two different things i'll use our vertical jump to tell if kids are on or off. So if they're depending on how they jump, where they're at on that, or I'll use their, their fly time, their 20 yard start, their 40. That just kind of tells me, okay, where's the kid at? Is the kid fatigued today? If he's fatigued today, we can still get a little work in, 
but don't ruin the rest of the week for him. Yeah. And that's just being smart with that. So that ties in back into the feed of the cats of don't let today ruin tomorrow. And it, it's crazy. What can we do the least? What can we do that gets us just enough to get us better, but not enough to get us worse? Yeah. And there's a there's an understanding of that of you know when we're running sprints, um, and I can touch base on you know it, when we're doing our, our max speed sprint training. So like we started this week, we ran two flying tents next week. We're going to do two 20 yard starts the week after we're going to test forties and we're going to rotate in, in that cycle. But when we're doing our, our, you know, flying tens for max speed on that. All right. Can I get two solid ones out of the kids and be fine? If I know that, all right, we ran the first one and it was a little sluggish or, Hey, they need some more rest in between their next one. I'll take my sweet time. You know, I might go down there, talk to them, give them some tips, ask a couple kids some questions, kind of drag my feet a little bit before I get back to at the end, end of the cones to tell them, hey, to start going so I can read their times. So I kind of make sure, okay, how do we get them the freshest? Now, when we look at doing this kind of stuff in season, we ended up, you know, a perfect world. We'd still time on Mondays. The way that we worked out today, this year, and I think it worked out well, we ended up timing on Tuesdays. So we would go through our install and we, we would practice. And sometimes our JV games or freshman games were on Monday. So, um, and we, you know, during class time, that'd be a film review. That'd be our install on practice. We'd be getting ready for install for the week. We'd still do our a speed component that day. We'd do max speed, but we'd do that over many hurdles, and we'd do that around hoops. We wouldn't do that uh, getting timed. Our timing would actually happen Tuesday during our class. We'd do 20-yard starts. So you can do acceleration work when you're not 100%. If you want to work on your top-end speed, you have to be 100%. So we were timing 20-yard starts, and it was nice to know that Hey, Monday's practice, it wasn't, you know, we would get out there and we'd do our top on speed stuff. We would practice. Our hitting was limited on that. But we could go on Tuesday and I could look at numbers of some of our, our top on players of, hey, we, we're continuing to improving or, hey, this guy was usually in the 20-yard start. He was running a, a 2.71 while today he's 2.91 and he's 2.95. So what's that tell me that maybe we got to look at it in the weight room or what's that got to tell me maybe at practice or do I need to talk to him and see how things are going or is there something tight on him that he's not talking about or something extra we have to do? So those were good just reinforcements because you can't always see everything with your eyes of telling if kids are off. But those numbers were I'd be able to go, hey, what's going on? Hey, coach, this is a little sore. Or, uh, coach, I feel right here. Okay, let's try this, this, and this. Oh, yeah, coach, I feel a lot better. And then they go and lift, do the lift, be fine, then go out to practice. And, you know, Tuesday, Wednesdays were our, our hard days, and we'd hit those days. And those kind of our work days for the week. So just making sure that using the numbers in season to help us make better decisions of 
how we were taking care of load management, how we were taking care of reps and making sure that, well, hey, he's at he's at 2.9 today instead of 2.7, but, you know, he's just not working hard enough. I went, now, you may think that, hey, kids might try to cheat the system because they know, oh, you're going to cut back on stuff if they, they dog it. The the thing I have not seen in it, if you got kids who are going to dog it because they want to get out of things, are you really going to be able to trust them on a Friday night? You're not, you're not going to be able to. What I've noticed with the timing is they want to beat their last number and they want to beat the kid who's talking crap behind them. And because I'm yelling out the times every time they want to beat that time and not be dead last or in the pack or anything like that. So your competitive kids, the kids you're going to rely on on Friday night, they're not going to, Oh, I'm going to dog this to get out of it. And it's not one of those things of, Oh, you're running slower. Yeah. You need to stop. You're just going to sit there. We're not doing anything with you. We just make smarter decisions on what they're doing so we can get the most out of them for that day. And I know even the big boys too, right? Like, I mean, they're not going to get in the twenties necessarily. Right. Like, but no, you're competing with yourself. You know what I mean? They're, they're they see Correct. the number and they, they see the growth and they're in there and they're, and they're trying to get better. You know what I mean? So that, that's what I saw. It was, it's awesome. Yeah. So our, our big guys have been on my case because they think I'm against them because <laughs> I need to make sh- speed shirts that they qualify for. And it shouldn't be starting at 20 or 19 that that's I right. need to have a standard form that starts at like 16, 17, so I've been considering that, figuring out what I can do for them. Um, but, yeah, it gives them, and they know it. I mean, here's the, here's the nice thing. I don't have to be the fastest kid on the team, and it's like, oh, he's the fastest. He's going to win every sprint. It's individualized. It's That's individualized right. to know that, all right, I was 16-2. Oh, my gosh, I just ran 16-3. I was quicker this week. Coach, I'm getting faster. And just the excitement out of that. And then you need that kind of energy – into the weight room. Then you lead that kind of energy into the practice. It's not, you're not a coach of, okay, you got the coach who's the hype man and bringing energy. It's the kids performing that's bringing the positivity and energy into everything else that we do. That's right. And it's not that, you know, our our big guys, it's not the case of, oh my gosh, we got to run again. It's, they get after it just as hard as the sprinters do. Yeah. And I shouldn't say sprinters. I mean, the skill guys do. And are faster guys. And it's, hey, are we timing today? Hey, what are we doing for the timing? It's not, oh, we're timing again. I'm going to run the slowest time out there. They don't, oh, we're timing? Okay, I'm going to beat my time from last time. That's right. That's, that's good stuff. So, Coach, Coach um, I'm, I hate to hog this up, Coach McLeod. I got you're good. Go uh, for it, man. I got two good. left. I got two left because I, I know I want to get these out. Talk, talk a little bit about, you know, um, you wouldn't just train straight ahead. You know what I mean? I seen yeah, you sure. on the curve and then and then you also like contort the body and the head and all kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So really good stuff. So a lot of people think, you know, track coaches get knocked or kids with track speed get knocked because oh, they just got track speed, they're straight ahead in football. You know, you gotta be able to move, which there's a lot of merit to that. And I'm not not saying, oh, I disagree with that, you're full of baloney. What we ended up doing, and uh, Chris Corfus said it, and then there's a guy, Franz Bosch, who really digs deep into the stuff. But if you look at the game of football, about 30% of it's um, 
played with your legs going one way, your shoulders going a, another way. It could be for me reading a block. It could me blocking. It could be turning my head, trying to run, trying to catch a route. So if 30% of our game is not in a straight line and some part of our body is turned, shouldn't we train that way? Yeah. So what we end up doing is we might run through the mini hurdles, but I'll tell them, hey, your shoulder and head need to be facing towards the school. So to turn them to the left while you run straight. Well, we'll do that to the right. So we're trying to work on max speed. The other things we'll do is we'll try to run as fast as we possibly can. So I'll use hula hoops or cones where the kids will have to weave in and out as fast as they can. Now, they might race the guy next to them. They might have a guy behind them chasing them, try to tag them. But that's getting us moving as fast as possible and putting stresses on our body, making different cuts while moving forward, while moving as fast as possible. Instead of just being a straight line and, oh, he's just a straight line runner, can't move, he, he doesn't have change of direction. This is how you can load up the body in different positions while going full speed to help with that change of direction, making faster cuts, making faster movement, being able to cut on a dime and then excel out of it. So what we would end up doing and what we would and it's not just what I do this with all our sports. If we set up a, uh, a cone drill, I might have, shoulders point one way and say hey you need to keep them facing this way and drop their legs or drop their feet a different way we might set up cones to run around or run around and do that now the other thing we'll do is we'll put their hand above their head we'll put their hands out on their hips we will try to challenge the body every way possible so right now everybody's body's pretty pretty comfortable for the most part walking in a cross crawl pattern opposite arm opposite leg well now try sprinting without your arms puts a little different stress on your body right. now sprint with your hands over your head puts a little different stress on your body well if we can challenge our body while going full speed with a little more stress on the body it's going to make it adapt therefore be more efficient if it's more efficient and adapt it becomes faster so how do I put more stress? I'm not saying have the kids run with 45-pound plates over their head because you're not going to be able to sprint and do that. Right. But you can put your hands at different angles because not everything's a perfect world. Not everything's perfect right in front of us. I can put my hands, you know, everything's going to be perfect placement. We might put, um, you know, I might move the hands around while we're running and not in a cross-crawl pattern and just figuring out the body's going to, figure out how to organize, how to sprint efficiently, even by doing that. And it helps put more stress on the hip. It puts more stress on your drive when you're driving up. So we might turn the head and hug. We might turn the head and put the hands on the hips. So I just try to do anything that we possibly can that will continue to challenge the body, not, okay, my body's used to it. I'm going through the motions now. Now I'm going through the motions. So Really, my body doesn't give it give a darn. And even if you're getting on the kids, hey, you got to go through this harder. Kids don't sprint and run hard unless they're getting times. That makes them give a darn. Well, how do you get the body to give a darn while, you know, 
obviously you want the kids to, but how do you keep challenging the body while making kids do drills? Start player, put their eyes somewhere. It helps with the vestibular system. So your ability to see and move around objects, put their hands in different places. It's going to challenge the body. It's going to make the body care. But, oh, I need to be more efficient in this. So then when you see a kid go around rushing off the edge, you're going to see a move and be like, oh, he can move really well. Well, those are things you got to train, and you can train that by going full speed, but put them in those situations of, all right, we're going to run around a hoop, but I want your hands overhead, or I want you to hold a two-pound plate, or I want you to hold a volleyball at, at your belly button. We even threw positions with that, puts on different stresses. Remember, how you had us throw balls to them or give them numbers, and they had to, you know, all yeah. say, say back to us. And- so there's a there's a really nice drill that we do. It's a, it's called Infinity Walks. I would tell you the lady's name who came up with it. I know she's out of New York. Um, Dan Fickner's really big on this too. He's a very very brilliant guy. So you set up two hoops. You could set up two chairs, two cones, and you're going to walk in a figure eight. And you want the kids to keep their eye on a target while they move in a figure eight. You want them to end up getting to a where they're sprinting that. So what we ended up doing is we put a coach in the middle of each hoop, maybe five yards in front. Kids would be doing figure eights looking at the coach. Well, then we'd start throwing numbers at them. And they'd have to move as quickly as the round they could around the hoop while calling out the numbers. One, two, three, four, six. After kids seem like they're getting pretty good at that, sometimes I tell them to add or minus a number, whatever I called out. That's when we, really just, tell who, that's really when we learned tell who our smart guys were. Yeah. <laughs> we really struggled with math. Yeah. And then we also did, we would throw them tennis balls or, or volleyballs or footballs, just different objects just, and different textures for them to catch of, all right, I need to just, my hands got to be a little different and I need to be able to track a tennis ball is different than tracking a volleyball than different than tracking a football, but all those are helping with my ability to catch on contact. So we would keep the body moving in a circle yeah. in that figure eight while challenging why, why to catch something. So it's not only working on their, um, their ability to move around objects, but their vision, it's ability to catch it. It's challenging the body in multiple different ways that stimulates the body to improve athletically. Um, there's one thing that we're going to start doing this off season is actually do bigger hoops and see how quickly we can get around them while staring or trying to track a ball through the air. Um, and those are some other things I'm getting into. Cal Dietz and uh, Chris Corfus just put out a pretty good video. They called it the, I'm probably going to get this wrong. I'm pretty sure they called it the, uh, goat of agility drills. So it talks about, the hoop drill that they call it, it's, the, it's based off the infinity walks and having people sprint through it. I, there's a lot of merit for it. We use the hoops a, a ton, but I think you get just so much value out of it. Cutting, moving, getting around objects, kids getting more efficient moving that because that helps with speed coming out onto the field because we're not just running in a straight line like we would in a 100-yard dash. You're running around people, through people. Yeah, everything like that. I'll tell you too, though, Coach. It's it's uh the kids love it because it's fun, and the way yeah. that you, the way that you set it up, 
you know, it's like groups and there, and there's a competitive element to it as well. So they're the one push up, like you're talking about, if, if, if there's a loser, they didn't come in first on the relay or whatever, you know, like uh, they end up having to do a push up. So they're competing against each other and nobody's in the back skipping a rep. Everybody wants to get in there and catch the ball or, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just, you're getting that full effort. You know what I mean? Like, like you want at the end of the day. Yeah. You want max effort and you want them to go as hard as you can. So, Going into the groups on that to give you guys a little content of it, depending on what we do. If sometimes when we're doing our sprint work, like when we would do it on Mondays in season, I'd set up four lines of mini hurdles and the kids would race through them. And we might be doing different things with hands. If we're running through hoops, sometimes we race through them. Sometimes they're doing partner tag through it where don't get caught. Sometimes we'd set up two big hoops. And I would tell over the summer we had offensive skill partner up with the defensive skill. So it's like call a guy out and then, Hey, I'm going to beat you and everything. Um, when we're in season, it was offense and defense were split. So the way we do it is, you know, the two fastest guys would go against each other and they would push each other. And that's, that's what you want. So that's how we get grouping depending on what drill we were doing. And then, you always got to have some kind of skin in the game. So either we would either race or we would time and that would give them the incentive of, yeah, I'm not doing a push up, and I'm not only going to beat you. I'll talk crap to you in between them. So it just, it forces the kids. It's not tricking them into giving max effort, but it's, it's putting them in an environment to be successful, to go all out to under to feel what it's like to give everything you got. It saves the voice of a ton of coaches just yelling to go harder because right. the kids are going as hard as they can. Right. Now you're, you're getting on them for encouragement. Yeah. You're probably saying stuff to, you know, talk, talk a little stuff to the kids, whoever loses Yeah. to keep it going. But you want kids to be excited to practice. You want to be excited going into things, get them to compete in something just that simple. And it doesn't have to be long. All our drills, if you look at it, and, you know, I broke down our games from last year. I wish I would look at the PowerPoint because I, I went over this with um, Coach Darlington and Coach Kennedy. And the great thing about, you know, Coach Darlington, this is how I knew I was in the right spot. He goes, you know, I've been a head coach for 25 years. He goes, I've always done it this way, but if you got something – if you got something different, I'm willing to listen. You know, we don't have to do it this way. This is just the way I know. And that's where I started dabbing a little bit of the speed stuff last year. And it, it took off, and he really liked it. And it gave some merit of, like, hey, how fast is this kid getting? Oh, are we improving, too? You know, we're we'll, we're full board. We just we're, – we're a sprint-based team on how we do stuff. And, you know, he he's great about asking questions on that and giving guidance and, you know – helping out on some of the details of all that. But getting the kids to just go all out on that, that brings great energy into practice. Right. Therefore, it takes away from any, any of the coaching stuff. Yeah. I tell, you, I tell you, one of my favorite that we did was the noodles. We played the tag. Oh, yeah. I've never seen so many kids giggling and laughing and, Trying to kill each other with a daggum pool noodle. You know what I mean? And if you want any of this, 
I got the video. So what we end up doing is we would do starts. We go twenty yard starts. So if me and you were partners, we'd line them up like depending if they cheated or not. We'd line them three yards behind or five yards behind and put guys in different start positions. Yeah. And sometimes we would do it, the person in front on their movement, that's when you're going to go and tag them. Other times I would say go, we'd just kind of always switch it up. The other way we would do it is we kind of set up in the football field. We gave them 20 yards. We'd have six guys with a noodle on the 20-yard line. Actually, we'd have six guys with a noodle on the goal line. We'd have eight guys on the 20-yard line. Those eight guys had to try to score get in the end zone without getting touched by the noodle. Yeah. So just giving them different ways to be in a creative environment, work on skills that are reactive, are change of direction, are not manufactured, what a lot of people would say, like closed drills. It's all reactionary, which is what football is. Offense got to react to defense. Defense got to react to offense. Yeah where they're going to be. So I just look at athletic development. It, it helped us so much. If you wanted any of those videos, I, I mean, I don't have it all filmed, but I got some of them and I can send that to you guys your way. No, I, yeah. Look, I, we're, we're so, yeah. So the, yeah, I mean, I'll take anything you got, man. Um, yeah. We, we're, we're trying to figure out. So, it's like Tony and I were talking before he came on, right? So for us, just in the state of Virginia, right? So we, we, we were discussing yesterday as a staff, like we were going to have some kids that, you know, we would, we would have developed into starters in the off season, right? Like they would have, they would have may have not have started for us in, in the beginning or right away, uh, but we would have counted on them, and they, and they would have developed in the weight room as starters, right? They'd have worked in the field. We, yeah. We, I mean, we do a lot of stuff, right? We do, we do get up. We do all kinds. Of anyway, so and we're not getting that this year. You know what I mean? So we were trying to find ways to develop the kids' uh, speed and, and some of their explosiveness without having to be able to – we can't get in the weight room. You know what I mean? Like, we can't get – they won't let us in the weight room. We have to – Sure. So, I think maybe just listen to you talk. I think I've got several ideas of what we can do just to create a competitive atmosphere and develop those kids. I mean, because your, your top flight kids, they're working, you know, typically. Yeah. But, but the ones – anyway, I, I just um, – Well, I got I, an idea for you, and I kind of trailed off. So, what I – what I meant to say, so I broke down and showed them last year we played, I think we averaged 55 plays on like offense and defense and your average play is four to six seconds, right? Yeah, right. So we made sure all our, our game meeting the game demands that we would try to figure out how throughout practice with our sprints, our team time, full speed reps that we could get somewhere in that ballpark. So yeah, right. everything we did was five seconds or less. So we go hill sprints. I'll time them for – I'll give them five seconds to get up the hill, and I usually have three cones. Hey, Lyman, you need to get past there. Skill guys, if, you're, if you want to be a top dog, you better get to the top of the hill kind of thing. Yep. But all our, all our drills and everything you do, meet the demands of the game, and that's what's going to help raise the level of 
hey, we didn't have any of this time in the offseason. And it's way different for you because we only had two months off. It's going to feel like almost a year for you. Yeah, no, we're eight months. In ca- well, I shouldn't say that. We started last Tuesday. Um, no, I'm sorry, two, three Tuesdays ago. This is our third Tuesday. Today was our third Tuesday. And uh, we do Tuesday, Thursday. And then we're doing like a little work around. We're doing camp on Saturday morning. But um, – yeah, so, yeah. Hey, listen to Urban Meyer, right? Four to six. Yeah, correct. Right. So, I would just figure, start met, meeting the game demands. If you know that, and that's some things that we threw out the window this year, it's like, hey, we used to do this. Hey, that's – if the season started today, how are we going to get in shape with, you know, less than ideal time? Right. What is the most critical thing? You have to meet game demands. So meeting those game demands, you know, the four to six seconds, we we st- yeah. we stayed at five seconds. And then that's how we designed our drills and how to challenge kids and how to put them in position. If you're going to get them in game shape, max effort for that time, that's what's going to get them there. And we had, we had two kids cramp offensively in week nine. Our first nine, first eight games, no one cramped, and it was two kids, um, offensively that ran a ton, and it wasn't that. One happened in the third quarter as a kid who ended up returning a kickoff. I think it was ninety-nine yards, and he had a ton of carries. And the other one had a, a long kickoff. Then it got called back. Then he took an under round for seventy-five yards. And later in the game, he had to come out, got stretched, right back in. I think two plays later. Yeah. But if you're thinking, okay, we don't want kids cramping up. You don't want, you know, this happening. Are we going to be in shape? If you meet the game demands, if you're training at top end speed, you're not going to worry about cramping. Cramping usually happens majority of the time is because you never get to game speed and practice or throughout the week. So you only get, you know, going so fast you might only be going 60 percent 70 percent but then you try going 100 miles an hour and that's when muscles start shutting down because it's oh hey i'm not used to this yeah and it it taxes it redlines the system whereas if you can redline the system a little bit through the week when you do it on friday it's not gonna it's gonna be used to it right so it's a lot easier going 100 miles an hour a couple days during the week on some things and then they'll go 80 on game night instead of going 60 and then trying to, okay, we're going to go 80, thinking you're going to turn it on, your body starts frying and shutting down, and it's, oh, I don't like that. Yeah. No, no, it makes complete sense. And um, no, I definitely appreciate you coming on, man. This was great. Um, Which I had one last question I just remembered that I was supposed to ask about conditioning. And I'm not okay. really sure how to ask the question, um, but, you know, you, as a football coach, you think you got to get these guys conditioned. You know, I know we're training for speed. How do you how do you balance that with conditioning? Uh, maybe you already covered this, but no, no, really good question. So when we when we start our, I'll just say when we start our speed stuff, the difference between when we do our speed stuff and conditioning, it's our rest time. So when we're doing stuff right now, I might give the kids a lot of rest in between stuff and when i say a lot of rest which might sound an eternity for a lot of football coaches we might give them three four minutes now i will strategically set that up by 
making sure a kid goes, takes sweet time, like talking to the next group before I start them and what that. You have to start that way when you're going, when you're starting. So, you know, you don't play till February. If you're doing speed stuff right now, give them a little bit longer rest. Yeah. You start closing that rest period to what you're going to, what I would say, match the game demand. So what's ideally, are you guys hurry up offense? Are you, hey, we take the play clock. Hey, it's going to be 30 seconds in between the snap. Yeah, we. There are no huddle we'll tempo, fast tempo, shotgun spread. Yeah. No, I, no, I, no, hey, I, I figured, hey, no huddle. Hey, I'm just joking, no huddle, man. just get rolling on, you know. He's like, he's like yeah. us, Coach. He's run, he runs that ball, man. Yeah, I was just going to say, no huddle flex phone every yeah. 15 seconds. Hey, you know, actually, like, Act, well, but actually, uh, I do have that background, not where I'm at right now, but okay, we, we, we did we did snap a play every 12 seconds one time, one game, Ooh. And, Ooh. Uh, yeah. Well, but that was when we could get in and out of personnel formations with all the kids on the same field, dude. We used to run people ragged, but I could imagine those days are over for me right well, now. Well, um, so, so we huddle, we take every ounce of time, so then that's fine. So, here's what I would do. And this is where we got to it is, all right, when we do a sprint, I treat that as like a game snap. Okay. Whatever drill we're doing, we treat that like a game snap. So for our conditioning, we might do, let's say something easy that everyone might know. Let's say we do a pro agility. Okay. All right, I'm giving you 30 seconds, you're up again. Okay. We might do that eight times in a row. There's an A-play drive. All right, now we're going to have five minutes off. Now, for us, what ended up happening, we would do our – we call it speed kills, which was our speed slash conditioning at the beginning of practice. Fast pace, 30 seconds in between each time we did a drill. And then the kids' rest period and with them getting their pads on ready for practice. So we'd have like three, four minutes while they're getting their pads on in their spots, everything like that. All right. Get, getting a splash of water. So right now would be your time to, all right, we could take two, three minutes in between if you need a little longer, four minutes. And then, okay, when we get closer, maybe January, it's, all right, I don't need to do 60 different agility drills with only 35 seconds in between. But you might be able to go, hey, we're going to go eight right now. There's a good drill. Um, they call it the tribe, tri tribe test. Uh, the strength and conditioning coach, is by, if you follow on Twitter, uh, rugby strength coach, uh, Kier came up with it. You essentially run 20 yards and back as far as you can get in five seconds. So your really good kids should get about 33 to 35 yards. If you're counting to the 20 and then coming all the way back, those yardage. Right. So if they got back to the 15, that's 25. If they got to the 10, it's 30. Right. So he would do it where he would measure each kid and they'd go on a 12 play drive. So they'd run, mark the first one, 33 yards, 30 seconds later, do the next one, 33 yards. And then add up all the yards. What I did for, to do this in the mass is I put cones out. Lyman, you better be at 27 yards or farther. Our mid skills, 31 yards. Our really good kids, 
I started at 33, and then towards the end of the season, I added out by 35. Right. So they have an object that I need to get to the. And then the other thing that I did is they raced their partner next to them. So it wasn't just, okay, I'm, I'm running for myself. I'm running to beat the guy next to me because I don't want to do a push-up. So there'd be days we'd do four of those if we're doing a different drill with it. Or it was day, okay, we're doing an eight-play drive. All right, get up, go. All right, 30 seconds. And you can run three different groups during that. You could have the first group up, and if they have their partner, you could blow the whistle. Blow the whistle when it hits five or your alarm goes off or whatever it may be. Next, So when they're running back, you just have them decelerate through the goal line. Yep. They wait in line. Next group goes right away. You blow the whistle. Then you blow the whistle again for the next group. And then the time they get back up there, they're about 30 seconds will be up. Yeah, right. They might get about 10 seconds, but yeah. they're ready to roll. Yeah. And now you're matching that adrenaline dump at the beginning of the game. Hey, nerves are going, things you can't explain, the butterflies, okay, the first hits out, feeling each other out, trying to score, yeah, all that. Now you can simulate that a little bit in practice by spiking their energy system a little bit. Two to the same demand that they're going to see a five-second play, at least one change of direction. Right. That was one I really liked, and that's you know something we're going to use pretty big this off season. We used it in season, just varying. You even did it on the hill, I remember. Yeah, well, we just yeah we did a just five second sprint on the hill. Yeah, yeah. But getting the kids to buy into, you know, if you're a four to six guy, hey, four to six seconds. We were a a five seconds. And you yeah, see that and, and over. I, I like the idea of you, you got the cones on the hill because look five seconds from the bottom of the hill to the top for a lineman, he ain't getting all the way there, right? But no. You give him a point to aim for, right? Like, yeah, you, you give him a spot on the hill to aim for. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, and here's the thing. And you can even put one out for your, like, you're really slow lineman. So you got to have right. one and then the next one where you're like, yeah. hey, starter's got to get here. The thing is, if you just hit it at the top of the hill, and I think this for a lot of things, you'd get the the lineman or, you know, any of those guys of, oh, I'm going to act like I'm running really hard because, well, I'm never going to get there anyways. And then yeah. they've only gotten 10 feet up the hill in five seconds. Whereas, all right, if we put this cone at 20 feet and he should be close to it. Yeah. Is that enough carrot enough in front of him that we're not going to get just the try hard look that they're moving everything in their body, acting like they're trying to run hard. Right. Right, yeah. Uh, if he could prevent himself from doing a push up too, right, by getting there, yeah. <laughs> if he could beat his buddy next to him, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah. So anything that you can get the kids to have a little skin in the game, yep. That's going to help match game demands. You help get match game demand on there. Now the kids are playing, and it's not. Oh, I'm tired. Yeah. It's oh, I feel good because you've been matching that same exact energy system that they're going to use in the game. You're not doing it. I want to say the bright side on COVID, especially this year, was let's get rid of any fluff that isn't going to help us win on game day. And that's what we decided in the, you know, in the off season when we sat down, when I sat down with Coach Darlington and Coach Kennedy, it was like, cut the fluff. What do we need that's going to help us perform on Friday night? Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm going to have there, to probably, uh, 
Yeah, I'm gonna have to probably get with you some more on this. Um, yeah, and you know, there is one time. You know, most times kids are gonna go hard. If you have to do something after practice, and to kind of get a point across, sometimes you gotta do that. There's one time this this year. We had a couple. We had a group that was kind of dogging it through our speed at the beginning of the year. So we went back to our normal. Hey, we're gonna condition after practice. The kids, you know, we addressed it. This is why we're doing it. Yeah. We didn't do it the rest of the year. Had no more issues. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes, sometimes you just gotta remi- remind them of this is why we're doing it. Yeah. And it, as long as it's not, all right, you're doing this Thursday night before the game. Yeah, well. Or Friday. You know, you're good. If it's a Tuesday, you got to make an example early in the year. I, you know, there's times to do that. It's not, it's not going to be life or death. Right. Be smart the next day. Or if it's, you know, there, there's time. If it's a daily occurrence, you know, there's obviously bigger issues. But well, yeah, it's okay every now and then. To, yeah. Yeah. That was a little reminder. Yeah, no, no. Like, we – um like I coach quarterback, so like, like I'll mark in practice if they don't carry out the fake to the hash, hash stuff like that, right? And then, yeah. you know, then we'll give them a reminder after if we need to. Um, but in doing that, you could do some, you know, you could find a drill um, that could help develop something in this regard. You know what I mean? So, heck yeah, uh, and, and yeah. that's the. Uh, that's a great thing and challenging thing and creative thing of, all right, they're not doing it right. Yeah. How do we challenge them for that? So our big thing, and this was defensively, we had five seconds for everybody to get to the ball over the summer. Well, then it went down to four, seven. And then the kids were like, coach, we can get there in four, five. Yeah. And it's the corner on the backside who's saying that. Yeah. So we ended up doing – you know, they would look every time. Hey, coach, what time do we get to the ball? Uh, four or five that time. Hey, you got there four or seven. Now the kid would, the kids were getting on the kid who didn't get there in time to hurry up and hustle the ball instead yeah. of a coach telling them, or hey, yell, get to the ball. And then what we ended up doing, um, we wouldn't, it wouldn't be, you know, okay, we're just going to up down you guys afterwards. We'd be doing a specific exercise that, all right, there's reason to, if you can't sprint there, we might have to do a lunge hold to help you in the end range to get you strong enough to make you be able to repeat your sprint abilities. Right. So we put something, a little skin in the game for them to be able to, all right, here's a exercise that is going to enhance what we need you to do. Right. And that's a, you know, that's a nice thing about being a coach and being yeah. creative on those kind of things. Yeah, Absolutely. Coach, Coach McLeod, I don't know if you know this, man. Uh, Coach Fordney has a uh, radar gun he bought. And uh, he clocked me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm 16 miles an hour. Are you? Yeah, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Not, I, don't, I don't quite qualify for a speed T-shirt, but he gave yeah. me a green, man. Hey, well, <laughs> hey, when I figure out what I'm going to give the lineman. I was getting ready to say you don't know that yet. He yeah. figures out what he's going to do for the lineman. That might be the basis for a shirt, dude. That's right. Hey, I might – uh. So the elementary kids um, just ordered it's speeding in a school zone over 15 miles an hour. So there's a couple of kids who've pushed over 15. So 
Maybe I get you that wristband tone. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's awesome. And coach, I'm proud of you, man. You didn't have to change your t-shirt, man. This guy sweats all the time, man. During this podcast, he didn't, he didn't have to change his shirt, man. That's good. <laughs> I haven't adapted to the Alabama heat yet. That's it. <laughs> I'm just teasing you, man. <laughs> nah, look, I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on with us. It was great. Um, I learned a lot, got some good ideas, and uh, I'm sure this won't be the last time you hear from me. So, yeah, no problem. And like I said, um, what, what, by the way, before we go, like when people hear this, um, this podcast, what, what, what's probably the best way to get in touch with you? Email, social media, what's, what's the best way? Yeah, you can email, you can, um, uh, that's Coach Brad Fortney at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter's fine. Um, all right. I got to try to think. I think I got like, uh, the track and football consortium. I got three articles out there. I, I don't know if you guys want me to sh- yeah, pass that no, your way. No, absolutely. So, yeah, coach can probably attach some of your information onto the oh, podcast yeah. as well down the oh, yeah. details or whatever. So, so what, what where are your articles again? Uh, track and football consortium. Yeah. I wrote one for um, adapting to feeding the cats. So, like when I first started off and I just kind of dived right in. I wrote one on two-way players and kind of when I was coaching offense, how I figured out how to keep a pitch count on our two-way players so they weren't dying out in the first half. Right. Keep it, keeping a little gas in the tank so we had them still rolling in the fourth quarter. Right. And then I wrote one on breathing and, you know, still use a lot of that for football, but it was when I was coaching softball. Yeah. And just things that – Kids understanding, like, hey, I breathe to live, but how to breathe to per- perform and getting kids in a uh, performance state of mind. Right. Because you could tell them a hundred times, like, all right, breathing through your nose. All right, you need to be belly breathing. Well, you get them in a stressful situation, they're not doing that. Yeah, they're heaving. I've, yeah. yeah. They're freaking out. And the crazy thing for softball, I started picking up when. Our girls were in stressful situations. This was so we lost our first game. We should have won. We get in a situation, bottom of the seventh. We had two people on. The girl gets a base hit. We win the game. We end up going into extra innings and lose. Well, the coach goes, Our cue was two breaths. You know, he'd just say two breaths. So they should have took two belly breaths and then got in the batter's box. I see her take two chest breaths at a two. It was a two, three count. And as my wife was sitting next to me, I'm doing the um, book. And so is she, and I go, she's going to miss this strikes out. We go extra innings. We lose our pitcher and extra innings. We go, our pitching coach yells, Hey, just breathe. And that was a sign of, Hey, she should just hands on the stomach while she's getting the call and belly breathing. Yeah, she's freshman breathing through her shoulders. Couldn't hit her spots. Yeah. Stressful situations. I noticed that other pitchers, if it was a three-two count, if it was three-one count, if they chest press, if their shoulders raised right before they threw it, they're going to throw a ball. Yeah. Same thing with hitters or strike out or hit a bad hit. So that next day at practice, I put them through some things that looked like voodoo, and. Uh, Girls started working on the routine of this is our breathing routine when 
we get set up in the field, get pre-pitch, our pitcher's routine, getting in the batter's box, everything we did was systematically based off that. So this year we worked it a little bit for defensively of, you know, our, our term was new play. But when we said new play, the kids knew to belly breathe. Yeah. Clear the mind. Yeah. Gotcha. That's awesome. Yep. Makes sense. That's awesome stuff right there, Coach. Yeah. Hey, uh, your Twitter is at Coach Fortney, and he'll tag it on to your uh, – uh, the, yeah. the details at the uh, yeah. What's that? I hope I gave you guys some good stuff and didn't get on too many tangents or off the beaten path. That's why I love you, man. Good stuff, good <laughs> information, dude. We, we we really appreciate you coming on and spending yeah. some time yeah. with us. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably have some good stuff, some more good stuff in about give me a few more months. I'm going down some rabbit holes right now that I think will get even better. Yeah, man, that's. Just keep making sure you're filming it, man. That's I mean, it's it's great stuff. Cutting edge, very innovative, man. Yeah. I will. Yeah.